Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Where does the, the velvet rope sort of, does this work as a metaphor in terms of velvet ropes we put up to shut people out in terms of you know. people out, um, not letting people get to know us, not letting us get to know ourselves even. It's like your protective shield in a way, or what you think is your protective shield that really, really can hurt you. And now Janet goes inside with the velvet rope. Her most personal album yet, written and recorded during a period of self-acknowledged depression. It's childhood, it's, it's uh, my teenage years, my adulthood. Lots of things that I, I've just carried with myself, around with me. Um, and I had my escapism so that I wouldn't feel that pain. It took six, six months, six and a half months to make the album. When before, Control took two and a half months. RN took uh, three. Mm -hmm. Janet took three and a half. This took six, six and a half months because I, I, I had to take so many breaks. It was too much for me and I'd had to, to leave, go away for a week, take a break and then come back and continue. And there were times when I, I didn't think I was going to complete it. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. And um, I did, obviously. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast classic music reviews presented by iv creative it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view we appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective you could be anywhere listening to anything but you're right here with us so we thank you with you today is yours truly b cox and want to give a shout out to all the fans out there stateside and worldwide for continuing to show the show some love and for driving those numbers up continue spreading the word out there guys we appreciate all the love that you give us on all of our platforms, including platforms such as Good Pods and as well as Podchaser. Make sure you look us up and follow us there when you get a chance. We appreciate all the support that we're getting. So continue to do the good work and spread the word out there, guys. We really do appreciate it. As a reminder, as always, you always want to make sure you go to vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. That's our website. You can check out all of our back catalog, listen to the episodes. Also, you can follow us on social media by clicking on our links there on the homepage. You can also leave us a review, leave us a voice note as well. So please go to vaultclassicpod.com. Check us out. Let us know what you think. Interact with us. Hit us up sometime. Follow us as well on social media. All the socials are on there. Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. You can connect with us any way that you want to there. Just go ahead and get there on vaultclassicpod.com and hit us up. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault. Hashtag nothing but the classics are MBTC. And today we're going to go back 25 years ago to an incredibly important album and an incredibly important artist. When we talk about this artist in the sphere of the latter part of the 20th century, and who she has influenced, 
the lane that she has created for herself as an entertainer, as an icon, really. I mean, there are people that we talk about on this show that reach a certain status, that the status is into the stratosphere. Well, this artist does so. We talk a lot about your favorite artist, favorite artist. Well, she qualifies as that without a shadow of a doubt. And this is one of her albums that we would say might be one of her most acclaimed, most appreciated, and also most polarizing albums of all time. So we're going to go back to October 7th, 1997, to the sixth studio album, then none other than Janet Jackson, or Miss Jackson if you're nasty. <laughs> the Velvet Rope, recorded between January and July 1997, with a runtime of 75 minutes and 23 seconds. This is a long album, but definitely one that needed to be dug into considering its content. Recorded at the Flight Time Studios of Edina, Minnesota, of course, of her longtime collaborators, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, at the Hit Factory in New York City and Record Plant in Los Angeles. The producers on this, Janet herself, and of course, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, the iconic duo who helped craft so many of Janet's classics throughout her career. The singles here on The Velvet Rope, there's six of them all together. The first, Got Till It's Gone, featuring Q-Tip, released September 22nd, 1997. Number two, Together Again, released December 1st, 1997. I Get Lonely, released in February of 1998. Go Deep, which was released in June of 1998. You, which is released September 3rd, 1998, and Every Time, released in November 1998. Now, if you're doing the span of time that singles from this album came out, you're looking basically at a span of about 14 months or so. <laughs> That's an incredible amount of staying power and also a large amount of singles to come from one album. So we'll go ahead and we'll start there. To talk a little bit about The Velvet Rope and... The success that this album had is ridiculous, considering that this was a four-year break from her last album, Janet, which was her fifth album, which definitely had quite a bit of intrigue and also of surprise from some people, considering the content of it, that it was a very, I would say, sexual album. And it was really the album that it kind of liberated Janet for her to let people know that, you know, this is who she was and Hey, expect more out of this out of me. So, but with the velvet rope, this came around at a time where in between this four year break, a lot of things happened. Really. It can only be explained as there were some things that Janet was going through in between this time where, you know, obviously that she was going through some things. Now, now, actually, after Janet, there was Design of a Decade, which was a compilation album, which featured a lot of Janet's classic hits, but then also had a couple of original songs on it as well. Now, as a result of that, the album ended up suddenly becoming double platinum and then sold 10 million copies worldwide. Now, that ended the end of her contract with Virgin Records. So she became, in essence, a free agent. So as a result of that, there was a bidding war going on amongst a number of different record labels. I mean, who wouldn't want to have Janet Jackson on their record label, considering the investment that you make and the return that you get from getting her to be on your label? Now, she did end up renewing her contract with Virgin, and get this, she did it for $80 million. It also surpassed the contract that her brother had also for $60 million, as well as Madonna. At this time, when she signs this contract then the process starts to go into making this album the velvet rope after her janet world tour she experienced an emotional breakdown 
And a lot of it came from, as she described, some issues in her childhood. She had you know problem with body imaging. And there was also a couple of problems. We saw this in a documentary that came out earlier this year with her marriage to Renee Elizondo, who at that time, people didn't know that they were actually married. Well, the majority of the public did not know that they were actually married, but she decided to explore these issues in her next album. It was weird because Janet was up until a certain point, a very private person. I mean, the fact that nobody knew that she was married and considering this age of like TMZ and these celebrity websites and lipstick alley and you know, the shade room that we wouldn't know that Janet Jackson as big as a celebrity and icon as she was, that she was married. Like she's a very private person. So to be able to do something like this, as you heard in the intro was really taking us back and pulling back the curtain to really show us what was going on in her life, which was a really, really big thing from someone of the stature of Janet. When listening to this album, you can definitely tell that depression was obviously at play here with all the issues he had, obviously, with the nervous breakdown. Now, in between this time of her getting this contract and doing this, she did some soul searching, and you can tell that everything that was done with this album was definitely intentional. Again, I'll say this. Everything that was done with the Velvet Rope was definitely intentional. A lot of people will describe this, and I will describe it, as an album that is into the window of her psyche and into her soul. Her struggles, her insecurities, her curiosities, her sexual exploration, social issues, romance, despair, hope, and reflection. It's telling that The Velvet Rope is the title of this album, hence also what you heard in the intro with that interview that she did. We associate The Velvet Rope with the concept of exclusivity, with prestige, or some sort of opulence. But as Janet shows us in this album, sometimes what goes on behind The Velvet Rope is not all riches and fairy tales. Sometimes... It's messed up stuff. Sometimes it's just as screwed up as life or as the happenings outside of it. This album to me is a continuation of what she began exploring in Janet. And if we weren't about to go behind the velvet rope just quite yet, she was giving us a peek behind that curtain when she did Janet to a Janet that we thought that we didn't know. In between time, when she was coming to terms with everything she had dealt with in her life from childhood into adulthood, which at that point was 31 years, in the making of that album, we have to remember that Janet did not live the normal life. And I'm just saying that lightly. I mean, everyone knows the story about the Jackson family and their upbringing. She grew up in a very religiously conservative household. She grew up the youngest children of this family full of stars. You know, five of her brothers made one of the greatest groups of all time and had one of the best stories you can think about of coming from some of these humble beginnings and working to make it. And then her brother becomes quite possibly the biggest music icon of the 20th century. And you have to think in history because of the success that he had, not just with his brothers, but then him by himself breaking all sorts of records in regards to record sales and award wins and the impact and influence that he had on so many different other artists. Well, she did the same herself. I mean, just thinking about the albums like Control and Rhythm Nation and Janet the influence that they had on so many people as she was coming up and becoming into her own was almost like sort of following in those same footsteps, but following in those footsteps and creating also a lane of your own comes with a lot of baggage. And because of those things, 
And because she was such a private person and because there were so many things she dealt with when it came to body dysmorphia and also dealing with eating disorders and having this nervous breakdown based on all these issues and things going on around her world behind this velvet robe that we don't really know about unbeknownst and unseen to all of us really kind of takes a toll on you. I felt like this album, she really wanted to bring us back further behind the curtain. It expresses her empowerment and also all of her vulnerabilities at the same time. And what we got content wise is what we always got from Janet. You got excellent work at a level of success and also provocation that very few in this genre can meet. Now you listening to this album, you can definitely tell the influences that she had on many of her successors. I mean, that is clear when you listen to the velvet rope, you can hear the influences from so many people who followed her and who looked up to her and in reading a lot about this album, you hear about what a lot of people thought about this and how it influenced them. We're talking about not like small names either. Definitely with taking us behind this rope. She gave us a view into what was going on into her world. And while initially some people were sort of surprised by it, and then I would guess even say put off by it years afterwards, everybody sort of got it. And now we're at this point where this album is where it is. So now let's go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. I first got into this album, obviously the first single, Got Till It's Gone. With Q-Tip, that song caught my attention with the video as well, by the way. It caught my attention and because it it was a great song. I mean, the the sample with Joni Mitchell, Big Yellow Taxi, and then Q-Tip as well, adding his vocals on there. And Tell The Truth is like one of those songs that, you know, you feel like Janet was sort of starting to... I would say transition into this new era of music, particularly urban music. And this was sort of her way of sort of jumping into that audience. I mean, it really is a song that even now, 25 years later, it catches you as soon as you hear it. It is a jam. The Velvet Rope was a CD that I took, a f- I would say, a few months until I got into it. You hear the singles on the radio, but then my sister actually got a copy of this CD. And I decided, of course, to borrow it a couple of times. And I have to be quite honest. The first time I listened to this album, I didn't like it very much. (laughs) So when I listened to it, I I think that, you know, I remember listening to like Design of a Decade and also with Janet. When I got this, it was kind of like, this is, this album is weird. You know, like I don't, I think that I was expecting something different out of Janet. It wasn't like the Janet Jackson that I was used to. But then as years went on and I gave this album more of a chance and started listening to it. And I was just like, you know, there are some things about this that I didn't really get then that I get now. And after listening to it a number of different times over the years, I loved it after a few listens. And then when you start getting into the background of the album, it's just like, okay, now I get it. Like, this is the reason why this sounds like it the way it does. And this is why she's talking about the things that she does. And this is why we have the title of the album being called The Velvet Rope. It made a lot of sense to me. Musically, I thought that she did some exploration on this, and I felt like, you know, she experimented with a couple of different sounds. Uh, There were a wide variety of different sounds in here. Obviously, there's R&B. You do get some, like, you know, sort of like dance and techno themes in this as well. But what I really thought stood out to me on this album were, of course, the last third of the album where... She slowed it down a lot. And also the themes in those songs definitely stood out to me too. The one thing that I will have to say, what I liked especially was the use of the interludes in between the tracks 
to sort of go in and introduce the things that she was talking about next. You see a lot of that as she goes into this album. You'll see like the interludes in particular when she gets to the interlude for online and she goes to the song Empty. That's talking about sort of like an online relationship. Something very, very groundbreaking at that time because we were really in the early throes of online dating. So it's interesting to hear somebody talk about something like that in 1997 when people are just really starting to just get online, like or the public itself is really starting to get into the internet as a regular pop fixture. Then to get into interludes like full and sad and also hearing the interlude like speakerphone, which is you know something that's, <laughs> it's a little crazy and is off-putting if you're not ready for it, you know, but hey, the, the great thing about what I love about them is that they sort of introduce you into the next theme into the album. And she also dropped some gems on here which really kind of lets me know what her takeaways from making this album and all the issues she went through, things like sad, like, you know, it's incredibly bad to live in a world, to have everything, but feel like you have nothing. Doing things and talking about watering your spiritual garden, talking about being lonely, these different things. She also covered a lot of different themes in here as well about things that I was really at that age as 15, 16 years old, you know, gay issues and also things about domestic violence. So it was, this was a, an album that exposed a lot of her vulnerabilities. But afterwards, what you're left with is an album here that incredibly is creative. It's complex. It has depth. And it's an album that gives you probably Janet making some of her best work when she probably wasn't at mentally at a space where she, considering all the success that she had, where she should be. But that's the great thing about life, right? It shows us that celebrities are not perfect. And what I think endured Janet to us so much more is the fact that she was able to open up that curtain and let us know that she wasn't okay. And a lot of people also related to that. So people know like, hey, Janet Jackson goes through something like this too. This person who has had enormous success and has had the world in the palm of her hand and has done things in the music industry that very few women have done. But she also deals with these problems as well. I think that's what really endeared her to a lot of people. So kudos to her on that. It's an album that after some time that I've definitely grown to love even more. And that when I look at Janet's catalog, I come back to this album a lot more than I think a lot of other ones. And not that I don't love the other albums in her catalog, but I think dealing with the things that she dealt with and knowing her vulnerabilities, it's something that I think a lot of us out there in the public can relate to. Highlights and lowlights. So highlights and lowlights. <laughs> we'll go into it. Now, there's a lot on here that I love. Obviously, I told you about the interlude and how I love the introduce the different themes on this album. But another thing that I love is one, I love the fact that this album is pretty much produced with the same voice and also written in the same voice. Jimmy and Terry do everything on here. This album was pretty much co-written by Janet and then also by her husband at that time, Renee Elizondo. They helped to co-write this almost entire album. The one song that they did not write was Tonight's Tonight, and that was a cover that was done from a Rod Stewart song, which uh, I'll get into that in just a second. But my highlights, obviously love the singles, but in particular out of the singles that I love the most, I love Gots Till It's Gone. I mean, that's that to me is what probably... I would say in my top 10 of favorite Janet tracks. Now, everyone, you can run through your favorite Janet tracks and lots of people will have this outside of their top 10. For me in my top 10, this is in my top 10 of favorite Janet tracks. I love the way this track sounds with Q-Tip and the Joni Mitchell sample. Like you did listen to the Big Yellow Taxi song and 
figure out how they can make that sample work. It's just like, you know, mm, I love it. I love this song. I love it. Uh, goodness. Years later, it's something that I would just randomly put the song on just to be able to listen to it and vibe to it. Uh, Goat Deep is a song. Obviously, I love I love the way that the song is constructed with the, the chorus at the end. Together Again is actually a song that was a huge, huge hit. And Janet talked about this song in regards to uh, the themes that it had. Now, she did have a number of 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 friends that she lost that actually suffered from and died eventually of AIDS. And so one of the themes that she had in regards to this, I'm talking about the theme of Together Again was hopefully, hopefully being able to see them. This is a song, obviously, that was a big, big dance song. It was on top of the Hot 100 for two weeks. It was originally written as a ballad, but then was made into a dance song. And I think that's what helped to make it a very successful track. I Get Lonely. Oh, I mean, this is probably, if we talk about my second favorite track on here, it's probably I Get Lonely. This song is just crazy. It's showing her vulnerability. It's in a production style of like a song and beat wise that you don't necessarily expect Janet to sing over. It's a great song. I love the beat. I love the messaging in the song because that vulnerability of talking about being lonely is just, wow, it's crazy. To get outside of the singles, now, the song You has a very, very poignant message. And in that interview that we listened to from MTV, she was talking about, you know, the you really could have been titled me because she was talking about herself in regards to looking in the mirror and being accountable to herself for something. Some people thought, I heard in that interview that she said, people thought that she was actually talking to her brother, Michael. But no, because, you know, Michael had the song Man in the Mirror, but when she was talking about looking at the man in the mirror and she was actually referencing herself, she also said that this song was one of the songs that also made it very difficult for her to record. She had to stop and take a break. Um, it was very hard for her to be able to be able to record this because of the things that she wrote during this. She did this with a number of different songs on this album. Another song that I love as well, songs like Empty and What About talk about some you know issues in regards to kind of hard hitting, especially what about, because you talk about issues of maybe being in a relationship and being with somebody who's not only physically, but then also emotionally abusive. That speaks to terms that can touch the hearts of a lot of different people. And it's sort of a triumphant song. It's not really, I guess, sort of like a slow or sad song. What Janet does is she so brilliantly does takes a song and flips it on its head and then makes it into something that while it should seem defeatist wise, it's actually triumphant. Gotta love those two. The last third of this album, I would say all the way up until from every time all the way into special, which is the last track. And it also can't be stopped. I love the fact that so much of this, she slowed it down here. These songs, like especially the ones like Tonight's Tonight and Rope Burn, like especially sensual. <laughs> you gotta love the fact that Janet, when she showed us on the Janet album, that she showed another side of her sensual self where it was really like, just like, you no, know, really like the Miss Jackson if you're nasty. But that's actually one of my favorite stretches, if not my favorite stretch on the album is between every time through the end of the album. Cause I've, to me, I've, I really loved Janet stuff when she really slows it down. Everyone knows like, of course, like, you know, when she does these up-tempo dance tracks, cause that's what we know Janet for. To me, I love when she's able to switch it up and slow it down. And that's my favorite stretch from the album. So these favorite ones, Rope Burn, Anything, Special, Every Time. These are all songs that are among my favorite ones on the album. 
I don't really have any lowlights here. I mean, <laughs> the interludes, like I said, do a great job of introducing the next themes, especially the song that's going to address that theme. So while I would have probably said interludes, if anything, but I think the interludes definitely serve a purpose because they're giving us another peek at what life is like behind that velvet rope. Awesome track listing. I think it was sequenced well. In essence, this album is really a concept album, but I got to love everything that she did here. And the writing on this is great. The production on this is, is amazing. So not really any, a lot of room, I would say for it to nitpick about this at all. So we talked a little bit about the influence and I said, there are a lot of artists that have looked at this as an influence. The things that she did, not just as far as with uh, being candid about her background and things that were happening, the, the issues she was going through, but also then what was happening musically that influenced a lot of people. So we'll just go through a list of the people who have decided this is an influence. Nicole Scherzinger from the uh, Pussycat Dolls. I believe that's where she was from. I can't really remember. Yes, she was the lead singer of the Pussycat Dolls. Gave it as an inspiration for her second album. Rihanna for Rated R. They drew comparisons from this product as far as the fact with it being sort of autobiographical in a sense. Obviously, there are a lot of people who will draw a lot of comparisons between Rihanna and also Janet Jackson. Folk rock singer Melissa Ferrett called it a huge record, said it inspired her song Drive. The Weeknd said that Thursday was likely to be attempted to be a male equivalent of the record. Kelly Rowland, Talk a Good Game, drew comparisons for its theme and production. People looked at Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreaks as being likened to The Velvet Rope. Joe Budden sampled the title track in his song, Velvet Rope. Boney James and Gene Dunlap (laughs) with title track covered by Paul Taylor. Anything by Will Dowling. And it's also considered to be in sort of the influence for the start of alternative R&B with acts such as Frank Ocean, Miguel, and so many others. Psychologist Alan Down said that it's that his book was titled after the album and the content they talked about when it said with gay issues, demonstrating how to be able to deal with with the trauma of being a gay man in an uncompromisingly straight world. She talked a lot about those issues in this album. So when you gather all of those things together, the fact that there are so many parallels that people draw to this particular album, it's just another notch in the belt for Janet and her influence. The fact that she had the status as an icon, this album, which was uh, incredibly revealing, but yet something that was so appreciated by so many people by taking the influence from it that inspired so many people to go out to make art. I mean, it's crazy. So this album now, 25 years later, is still being written about, still being talked about, not just on articles and music magazines. It's being talked about in lifestyle journals and also in academia in regards to dealing with the issues that are dealt with in this album. Final verdict. So my final verdict, you already know what it is. I mean, this to me is a certified classic. It's yet another classic album that Janet Jackson has put out. I mean, she has gotten to the point now where up until the point where Control, through River, the Rhythm Nation, through Janet, through Design of a Decade, through this one, and then even through All For You afterwards, is that she finds little ways to be able to reinvent herself along the way, but then doesn't stray too much far away from what it is that she is. I mean, Janet is an artist that, for well over now, almost four decades, has given us what the picture is to be an artist, to be consistent, to have a standard of excellence, but then to also show us that I can give you something a little bit different on each one of these albums and still be me. And on this album, what she did was do something that some artists probably wouldn't have been so readily able to do in 1997. I mean, now it's 2022. Everybody is putting their issues out there on front street. 
we see a lot of this music, especially of a lot of the new age hip hop and R&B artists. They talk about their issues and some people will say you listen to the music now and that it seems to be depressing and they will talk openly about their issues and things with drug use and also being depressed. And like back in 1997, artists didn't put too much of their issues out on Front Street, especially if they were private. This Velvet Rope album sort of let everybody let them know, like, hey, even someone like Janet Jackson cannot be okay, but you can do that and still find truth in your art. And so because of that, the influence of this album, the quality of this album makes it a certified classic to me, 10 out of 10. It's an album that people, when they talk about it, you get a certain type of reaction out of people. And when you get that reaction, it sort of lets you know that this is where it stands. So certified classic for the Velvet Rope. 25 years coming up this week. Make sure y'all go check it out. Go stream it. Going to find this on vinyl is a collector's item because everyone loves this album. If you can go find it, go get it. But listen to it and let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media. What's your memories of the Velvet Rope? You know, do you like the album? What do you think about the album's themes? What has it done for you in the past 25 years? Hit us up. Let us know. We love to continue the conversation. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big. Because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate. Because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.